Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Today we're talking about episode 3 of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Power Broker. All that more after commercial break, we have no control over. Welcome back, I'm Matthew, your host. I'm joined as always for Falcon and the Winter Soldier by Paul Hoppy. Paul, how are we doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, there's a, um, a lot of fun things to talk about here. And I'm also happy to say we have a guest with us, Will Freeland. Uh, Will is a fan of the podcast and also someone who's been uh, creating a lot of great podcasts of their own, which I'll let him talk about, but on other comic stuff. And uh, he and I were chatting some, and uh, he seemed like a great person to get on the show and talk about it as well. So, Will, how are you doing today? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what, what kind of podcasting you do. Cool, man. Uh, thanks for having me, first off. Uh, I am in uh, Southern California, and... I have a podcast with my best buddy over in New York uh, called Hype is My Superpower. And we both love to read Marvel 616 comics, and we use the podcast as an excuse to catch up and talk about what we've read. Uh, Nice. And then, uh, yeah, and so that's been fun. We've got seven episodes out. We just covered uh, Dawn of X, the beginning of Dawn of X, and that was super fun. Um and I'm just I'm excited to be here to talk about some Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah, definitely. So let's just kind of start there, especially because you haven't been on the first two episodes. How have you been feeling about Falcon Winter Soldier so far? What do you think of the show? I th- I think it's uh, I think it's great. Uh, the first episode where where it was like telling Falcon and then telling uh, Bucky and do and like what they're doing um, felt slow. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of getting things going i was really glad that a show called falcon and the winter soldier got to both of them crossing paths by the second episode (laughs) um and uh it's been it's been a lot of fun the the second and the third episode both felt straight out of comic book um yeah with their storytelling with their cameos um the 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 characters from the cap world that they've brought in and even just for like one scene it's just been so much fun to see mm-hmm. and yeah, i yeah, have I th- thoughts I th- about this third episode <laughs> yeah that's awesome i definitely get what you mean about these feeling like a comic book i am not the biggest comic book fan i just the the art style isn't always what grabs my brain so i always love when other folks can be a part of this and you know can give that context of how these things play out in the comics versus what's happening on screen mm-hmm. and so let's dive in oh go ahead Oh, no, I was just agreeing. Yeah. So let's dive into this episode. And I want to start with, um, you know, we're going to talk about what we like about the episode, but especially kind of the, the different questions that it raises, ethically, morally, and all that. And let's start with, I think, who is quickly becoming my favorite character in this. What do you all think of uh, Baron Zemo making his, making his proud return? <laughs> um, I mean, I <sighs> so many thoughts. Like, for me, well, I, I want to actually just back up a second and say like I actually feel very mixed today in terms of like this was actually my least favorite episode although it felt also kind of like the most fun episode um but like I'm also really excited to to have Will here because we've been we've been chatting online some and I listened to a few episodes of Hype is My Superpower and I highly recommend it so um you know so I'm like excited to do the podcast but at the same time like uh, like don't Okay, I say this as a prison abolitionist. Like, uh-huh. if there's any reason to have prisons, it's it's for mass murderers. 
Like, mm-hmm. so, like, <laughs> maybe don't break people like Zemo out of jail, but maybe do it if it leads to a bunch of really fun scenes. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I thought there was a really interesting amount of kind of ends justifying the means here that we're bringing up because mm-hmm. we have three different characters who all in some ways are playing with this idea. You know, we have uh, Bucky and Sam are, you know, they know um, Zemo's a bad dude, but they're happy to break him out because they know he can help him maybe deal with this other thing. Well, in defense um, of Sam, I wouldn't say they're yeah. happy to break him out. <laughs> yeah, Sam seems very unhappy to break him out. <laughs> but then, like, I mean... And then, um, you know, the new Cap, uh, who I call Johnny Walker Blue, uh, he, you know, he has this speech where he's talking about how, okay, well, I guess maybe we've got to start going off the grid and doing some down low stuff and cutting corners. And then also we see Carrie and the um, Flag Smashers Carly, yeah. being very comf- – not very comfortable, but saying, you know, like she, she blows up a building and there's some cops in there who clearly die because of it. And – and she has this attitude of like, you know, that's the only language these people speak. Uh, each one of those I think we can talk about in depth. But I I, I was kind of curious what you all thought about this. It, it seemed like there's definitely a strong theme here of all three of these are to some extent or another comfortable with doing some not great stuff for a good means, for a good end. Yeah. I don't – the uh, the twist for the, with the bomb felt um, misplaced. Mm-hmm. It felt uh, kind of, kind of out of nowhere. Like we we don't really see her descent into um, feeling like their methods aren't working anymore, right? Because they've been very effective, and that was a successful raid. They got all of the supplies that they needed. Adding in the extra explosion just seemed extra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from I think that and the breaking Zemo out both felt to me very much like writers who wanted certain scenes and wanted us to think certain things about the characters, and then they wrote in that direction. And mm-hmm. uh, particularly the the bombing, where um, you know, whether those were cops or security guards or what. Um, and I don't think they clearly died. I think they probably died. I yeah. I think it's interesting that they didn't show us any of the actual fight. That they're just like, we're just going to show you them preparing for this. Then having uh, captured everybody and then blowing them up. You know? Right, um, yeah. It was very... I, I feel like it was very deliberately chosen that way. Um, but the... I feel like blowing it up is so counter... Um, like, isn't that just going to get them to raise security on things? Like, more mm-hmm. than just robbing places? Uh, it it felt, I agree, like it came out of nowhere. And I'm sure, you know, the I think the idea was like, oh, well, there's this person that they were close to that just died. And so now their emotional state is less even right. or something. But uh, it, I, I, I agree that it, it just felt like out of place. And to me, it just felt very forced. And... I mean, you know, like, uh, (laughs) now I'm like, how can I justify this act that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, I don't think it's worse than a lot of other things that a lot of characters are doing throughout the series uh, Mm -hmm. or in the the MCU or then like a lot of things governments do in the real world. Um, 
especially police sometimes. But it seemed super unnecessary, and it's like, yeah, you're going to take a bunch of people hostage and then blow them up? Like, why not just, like, shoot them? Like, just have that be your method, that you just go in and shoot them. Instead, you're going to go risk your lives to capture them without killing them, and then you're going to blow them up. I, I, It just... I don't buy it. Yeah. Well, I like what you said there about how it, it's hard to say that this is, you know, it's not a great act, but it's not necessarily worse than what others are doing. And, I, and that's why I kind of brought up all three of those, mm-hmm. because I was listening to another conversation about this episode where people were talking about how what um, uh, John Walker says about cutting corners and being willing to kind of do the hard things and how that's like, that's not what Cap would do. That's not what a hero would do. And I thought it was very interesting. They were being very critical of that. But then like, you know, what... Uh, Bucky does to get Zemo out. Right. And especially because to me, I mean, I'm torn because I, I think I agree with you that it, it felt a little bit like a jump to break him out of prison um, because they wanted to get the three of them together. That being said, the three of them together is the most entertaining thing I've screen on seen on screen in a long time. It was really yeah. good. <laughs> like yeah. Zemo has so much charm and charisma that I'm like, I don't care how he got out. I just want to see him on screen. Right, right, right. But you're right. I th- I, and to me, the real moment was when Zemo kills the, the scientist. Because mm. in that moment, the scientist isn't a threat to anyone. He's not attacking anyone. And he's, you know, clearly just like a guy doing what he can. And Sam and Bucky are like... That was the least surprising part for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That felt totally in character. I mean, yeah. I mean, he his, like, his entire character as it's been introduced is... The world should not have super soldiers, <laughs> right? Right, right. You know, but so you... to to find to be face to face with a man who figured out Erskine's uh, super soldier formula, yeah, he can go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and to be clear, I don't think that uh, it was surprising at all. I think it's very much in character. I more meant it feels like now Sam and Bucky have crossed another line in terms mm. of like mm. they just watched a guy murder someone and they're like, yeah, that sucked. Don't do that again. Let's keep working together. But I mean, he already murdered a ton of people, like. You know, <laughs> like he blew up the king of Wakanda, like he murdered that shrink or that uh, whoever, you know, the person was who he was impersonating to go capture Bucky. Right. Like he killed all the super soldiers. Like, it's not like this is a new barrier for him to cross. <laughs> it's like they know what they're dealing with. They you know? knew what they're getting into. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, and, you know, I I kind of thought he killed him because he's the power broker, but I don't know. We'll see. But, <laughs> you know, um but yeah, I, I mean, I agree in terms of, like, I don't know. It, yeah, I guess it doesn't really change anything to me in terms of, like, Sam and Bucky working with them, except that it's more in their face. Like, a reminder, right. like, don't forget who you just broke out. Like, right. he likes mm-hmm. to kill people when, you know, when he thinks it might be uh, justified by the ends, basically. Yeah, I guess that's kind of my thing, is, like, Zemo's already done these horrible things that Bucky and Sam had no responsibility or no connection to. Like, right. this is kind of on them now, you know, that, and granted, yeah, he's sure. um, not, like, the most moral person they ever killed, but it's, you know, if they don't break him out, that guy's still alive. And so that's to me why it's like, eh, okay, yeah. that's... I, I just thought it was really interesting the way they played with that theme of having all three of them kind of morally compromise themselves a little bit for what they think is right. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I mean, I think, like... Whatever. That's the guy who who experimented on Isaiah. Like he could go, but <laughs> you know, like I mean, I I do sometimes take a little bit of a utilitarian kind of view of like, well, 
if you were to kill this person and it would save a million people, like, maybe you should do that. Which is odd because I really like Batman and I like Batman not killing people. But, Mm -hmm. you know, this isn't like Zemo and, uh, and Sam and Bucky aren't really acting as, like, police the way John Walker kind of is, right? Mm -hmm. Which, to, to, you know, like, in Germany, like, as Captain America... So that's, that's its own thing too. Like, you know, what is up with these borders? Like, you know, and like, um, international policing or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think the fact that Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Baron Zemo are acting so much outside of the law, like, makes me more okay with them murdering someone. I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. Like, it's not state-sanctioned state, state sanctioned violence. It's like, you know. But yeah, I would say, like, to some extent, obviously, it's on them. Not to mention, like, I'm pretty sure someone got shivved in that breakout, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> very high chance someone got killed in, in the, you know, the prison riot. Right. I gotta say, every time I see someone in Captain America uniform go and, like, push somebody and then... Mm. Have them not go very far. I was like, oh, right. <laughs> John Walker's just a guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about him, too, because I felt like, you know, last week, uh, Paul and I had talked a lot about, like, what are we supposed to think about John Walker? Like, on the one hand, they're giving him this very sort of sympathetic story at the start, but then he's doing a lot of kind of not great stuff and that terrible line at the end. And I had kind of been trying to hold on to the, like, I have some sympathy for him, you know, kind of maybe he's not the worst guy in this show. It's when he, first of all, like, um, someone spits in his face or in his buddy's face and he just loses his temper entirely. Mm, yeah. At, which, which I think is very, I mean, there, that is a, like, that is a thing, like, a lot of police brutality cases have started because, like, someone spits on a cop's face and the cop utterly loses it. So I think that was a, a very intentional moment there. But then also what he says of, do you know who I am? Like, to me, right. that speaks so much to his insecurity. You know, yeah. kind of what we were saying, yeah. Will, like, he knows he's not a super soldier, and he feels like he has to prove it, and that's mm-hmm. that's where, that's that's not a good place to be if you're supposed to be a hero. Right. He holds the shield up on a mantle, just like, you know, Bucky and, and Sam do, but he thinks that the whole world should as well. Yeah. Like, just, yeah, he... we- just wearing the shield should be enough for people to be like, oh, yeah, sorry. What do you need to know? Yeah, for it, and to me that kind of speaks to the whole, like, for him, the authority comes from the uniform, from the symbol, as opposed to, like, with Steve, the way I always view it, is more like the symbol comes from, um, you know, who he is. Like, he becomes the, the symbol because he's a person who, like, embodies the qualities that it's supposed to show whereas here john walker's kind of like no no i got i've got the shield you have to do what i tell you to right um i think a you know a great response to do you know who i am be like yeah some random dude wearing a captain america outfit like, <laughs> yeah that would be amazing if he's just, if if the guy was just like some pretender <laughs> right yeah i want someone to make a cosplay joke at some point like i love the cosplay community oh yeah basically be like you're not cap you're cosplaying like, right 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 <laughs> for sure and I just thought that moment of him losing his temper was to me, because again, that's, I think, they're really highlighting the ways he's not like Steve. You know, mm-hmm. Steve would, 
as, as you were both saying, like Steve would never feel the need to like flaunt his power. He earned it because of who he was. Mm-hmm. But also Steve was often the one who was like sort of cautioning everyone else. Like, let's not lose our temper. Let's focus. Let's do what we need to do. He got angry for sure, but he didn't yeah. like fly off the handle. And I thought to me that moment of like, you know, one of these people was their prisoner basically, but he spits in his face and he just cap just, or I don't want to call him cap. John mm-hmm. Walker just loses it. To me, that was also a really sim- uh, symbolic moment. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, yeah, so let's talk about Bucky in this episode. Obviously, he, he kind of breaks out Zemo. Um, I I kind of like the fact that he doesn't get Sam in on it, you know, and that he kind of knows. Because I think part of, what there's, part of what I was getting out of this also is that they're starting to show the real difference between Sam and Bucky and that Bucky is able to cut a lot more corners because, like, watching this episode, I don't think Bucky – I think Bucky's doing what he needs to do, and I'm kind of glad he's doing it. But it also kind of makes me be like, oh, yeah, this is why – Steve gave the shield to Sam, not Bucky, because that's not something Sam would do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, like, in in the comics for reference, like, mm-hmm. uh, Bucky was always used as the, like, Black Ops uh, infiltration kind of stuff in World War II. Like, Steve was out front being the face of America while Bucky was sneaking in behind enemy lines and sabotaging whatever they need, whatever they were working on. So, like, Steve knows, and that's not necessarily what's, what happened in the MCU. We don't have, we don't spend too much time in World War II with Buck, but <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it's very, it's, it's very much like Steve understanding to your point of just like, yeah, Bucky will cut every single corner to the point where it's, it's a circle. To make sure that <laughs> everything works and everything comes right. out the way we need it to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt like um, he... I mean, in terms of, like, who Cap gave the, the shield to, that's that's a whole thing. Um, and, you know, I, I think that was pretty much it right there, that, like, Bucky is more of... I mean, he was an assassin for decades on end very recently, you know. Right. Uh, <laughs> and... You know, Sam is much more, you know, recently, like, he was in the military, then he left, then he's like, Captain America needs my help, that, you know, that's it, and I'm just gonna do it, and uh, I, I think he was by far the, the more lo- logical choice, choice there. When people are like, oh, but Cap needs to be a super soldier, it's like, okay, I guess, not really, I don't know, um, but, you know, in terms of, I, I feel like there is an extent to which Bucky sort of, like, I'm just going to do this because if I ask you, you're not going to do it, which is very Tony Stark in Age of Ultron. That didn't work yeah. out too well. Um, but also kind of like, it doesn't, it makes Sam less complicit, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't make him totally not complicit, but it also kind of brings up, oh, when they went there, like, to the prison, the plan was already break out Zemo, Right. Like, he didn't think he was necessarily just going to get, <laughs> like, get the answers and then go, mm-hmm. it seems to me. Because, like, all this stuff was already prepared. Right. I don't know. I that, That's another thing that it it felt a little, I, like, very spy thriller to me in terms of, like, all the things, you know, all the leads get snuffed out right when they're about to say something or... Right. Um, and you know, things, like, are planned out in ways that are like, mm, does that make sense that that was planned out that way? Or, like, would there more likely have been some interim period? 
in a way that keeps the plot moving very smoothly. And, like, mm-hmm. you go from point A to point B to point C to point D. And, um, but, like, a little bit less in terms of, like, real logical continuity, I think. Um, and so I, I, I did feel like they were, I don't know. Like, I mean, do, do you both feel like that's just like, oh, yeah, that's what Bucky would do? Like, just, like, breaks emo out? Because, like, what's so important about these Flag Smasher people that he's like, I have to do this thing right now? Is it because they're super soldiers? I guess. Are they? Th- well, so, because they're super mm-hmm. soldiers and Hydra had a super soldier program, he assumed that this was okay. going to be another Hydra I guess offshoot. that makes a lot more sense. And I, I didn't, I guess, like, I kind of... I didn't really piece that together, mm-hmm. you know. It was it was like literally yeah. one referential conversation that like when when they first got to Zemo, um, Zemo was yeah, like, yeah, "Oh, yeah. you think this is Hydra?" Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's and like, like I caught that line, but I didn't put together that like, oh, that that kind of makes Bucky's motivation a lot more understandable, I guess, because yeah. it's like he has this personal connection in it. I also think for Bucky. He's looking for a cause, you know, he's dealing with all of this guilt and the nightmares. Like, I think we've talked about, we can talk more about how, like, maybe he shouldn't feel guilt. It wasn't really his fault. But, you know, his psyche certainly doesn't believe that. And, you know, it feels like he's kind of like, I've been trying to say sorry to people. I've been trying to, like, fix things. And it's not work. It's not necessarily working for him. And, you know, he's in this hard situation with the... The, the father of the person he killed, which I, I really hope we don't drop that storyline entirely. Oh, please, yeah. But I, I get the sense that when, like, you know, someone's like, oh, actually, Bucky, maybe you can use those skills that did such terrible things for so long. You can use those skills for good. Mm. He's like, okay, sign me up. Right. And in that kind of, like, when you're really looking for a cause, you'll find something that just, like, okay, that could maybe sort of be a cause. Perfect. I'm jumping on board. Right. Yeah, I, I definitely want to see more of Yori um, mm-hmm. from the first episode. I it's it's funny because Will, you were saying that the first episode felt kind of slow, um, and I, it did, right? I mean, there wasn't a ton of action in it. When when there was mm-hmm. that ten minute action scene in the beginning, I was just like, oh yeah, they're front loading the action because there's gonna be a lot of talking in this one, <laughs> like you know, and and there was, <laughs> yeah. and I actually really liked that. Like, I love episode two of the first season of Daredevil. Um, it's like mostly talking and then there's an amazing fight scene at the end, right? In like yeah. the last five or ten minutes. <laughs> and I I feel like the first episode set up a different series than the one I feel like we're watching now. And I can get that the series we're watching now probably appeals to more people. Um, but it feels a little bit like it appeals differently. And I, I mean, I'm fine with different episodes having kind of different tones. But, like, I thought that whole thing in the first episode was really interesting, and I was interested to see, like, how that was going to play out over six episodes. But I feel like it's just going to be, like, mm-hmm. one scene in, like, the denouement, like, the sixth episode. Just like, oh, yeah, here he is talking to, you know, Yori Nakajima. Or Baron Zemo is going to, like, kidnap him or something and use him as some kind of leverage or <laughs> for, right. against Bucky. I don't know. Because he grabbed the journal. Right, because he saw the name. Zemo. I mean, one thing they did show us was people taking out their camera and recording it while yeah. Bucky was kind of doing those terrible, you know, like, not even terrible things, but, like, you know, getting into fights in, in Madri- how do you pronounce it, Madripoor? I think so. Yeah. Madripoor. Yeah. 
in Madripoor, <laughs> Madripoor which yeah. so good we'll talk about. And so, yeah, I wonder if that's part of the thing of, like, is he now going to be thought of as having officially broken his pardon? You know, because he's really supposed oh. to not be doing any of this kind of stuff that he's doing. Right. And now we have, right. yeah. Ooh, now don't hurt people. Or those people are going to use it for, like, blackmail or oh, something. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that I, I'm really interested to see where they go with mm. Bucky because I was definitely, I think, Paul, I was also kind of surprised that he goes back to cutting corners so much because it seems like that's a lot of what he didn't, you know, He's kind of going back to using the same skills that he did as the Winter Soldier, which in the first episode he seemed so focused on getting away from. Um, mm-hmm. And I I think it's because he feels like the cause is different now, and so it's justified. But And also I think he's just so angry about what's happening to his leg- the friend of his uh, – the legacy of Steve and his friend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I, – so I don't not believe it for Bucky, but it's not what I would think Bucky would do. And I hope mm-hmm. that they – addressed in some way that he's definitely taking a real departure well so the question the question of should there be a shield or should there be a captain america is a very interesting one yeah what's kind of your thoughts on that i think i it's 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 crazy because they spend a good amount of time in conversations showing that you know there's two sides to every (laughs) shield (laughs) um but like um like you know there's the symbol that um that bucky subscribes to and like what it means to be captain america and that you know it it saves so many lives and you have sam just being like yeah but like yeah. at what cost you know like uh we have isaiah who has held these all these experiments dealt to him and he's clearly has all this trauma from the last you know 50 years and like is that even worth it to like at the expense of in yeah. this case black man's lives do do we actually is there a reason to even have a captain america if that's what his legacy is i think it's very interesting paul i'm letting you jump in here because i know you've got a lot of thoughts <laughs> yeah i do have a i have a lot of thoughts um i mean on the one hand, I don't think there ever should have been a Captain America. I think, um, you know, it, it, Captain America was created as a element, you know, a, a something for war propaganda, right? There's this one really creepy poster in, you know, the the exhibit that we see in the beginning. It says something like, I pledge allegiance and silence about the war. And... You know, like, I find that pretty creepy, you know? And, I mean, that's I think that's a real poster. Like, that's, you know, that's how it was. And, you know, if you look at World War II, it's easy to go like, oh, you know, the U.S. was fighting the Nazis and won, and so the U.S. were the good guys, right? Right. But, like, you know, there were, you know, um, I think like 100,000 Japanese Americans locked up in internment camps. And had all their possessions seized, right? I mean, mm-hmm. absolutely disgusting element of of um, U.S. history. Like the the and Steve is fighting in a, in a segregated army. Yes, that was that was my next point that I was stumbling over. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, Steve is fighting in a segregated army. Not to mention you have segre- segregation in the country, right? It's not like just the army. Um, even if the army was integrated in the country, still had the massive. Um, racial inequities that it had and still has it it wouldn't like you know the idea of america of the as this symbol i think like wasn't great then oh and not not to mention like you know bombing tons of cities 
you know, um, with nukes, but even, even, uh, I mean, that was after Captain America, right? But, um, mm-hmm. also just bombing a bunch of cities aside from that, mm-hmm. like not with nukes. So, like, the idea of Captain America as this thing, like that there should be a person that represents America, I am very skeptical about. And when the Captain America movie came out, and I mean, even just when they were saying, oh, this is going to be the slate of movies. I hadn't read a lot of the comics. I'd, I'd read some some Captain America when I was a kid, um, but I didn't really remember it that much. And I was sort of like, ooh, you know, and this was like, when was this? This was like the late 2000s, right? So um, I had a lot mm-hmm. of skepticism as far as like America as a symbol in the world, um, having, you know, been, I guess, halfway through the endless wars that I guess are still endless. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's no midpoint, but... It it turned out like Steve Rogers ended up actually being my favorite character in the MCU, which I did not expect. You know, the reason for that is basically because of that journey from being this, you know, kind of wide-eyed, like, I just don't like bullies, and I think America is great, and I'm going to go, you know, join the army because I want to stop someone, some people doing some horrible things, to, like, understanding... You know, first in in the Avengers movie, when he's like, you're building, you know, energy weapons, like, and then, you know, then the Winter Soldier, and then Ultra and Civil War, like, kind of continuously just having this arc of, like, trusting this, you know, this authority and this symbol less and less, and and kind of growing in in worldview. Um, And, you know, so I love the character... And I came to accept, like, yeah, he's just Captain America because, like, that's what he was in World War II, right? But the idea that there's this symbol of propaganda, um, like, I don't think it's good. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm actually very anti-nationalist, you know? And, like, aside from just, like, America does bad things, I think the idea of nations is deeply flawed and keeps humans separated. And, like, so having a hero who's, like, you know, our country's hero, like, mm pass you know um okay end rant (laughs) yeah it's uh it's it's interesting you know it's like what does it it's depending on who you give the shield to it's gonna have a different meaning yeah i mean i think this is something i was we're talking about on the message boards uh earlier this week to me what makes cap work is that he signs up for because, you know, he's a kid in, like, 1930s, 1940s New York who believes in the ideals that America claims to stand for. Right. And over the course of the movies, he realizes that the government he serves no longer believes in those things or isn't doing a good job standing up for those things. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I'm going to fight for the ideals that this symbol and this flag is supposed to represent, but I'm not doing it under the command of any government because they're not there at all. Right. And I, I think that's... Uh-huh. To me, I think it, it's highlighting that one of the worst things about John Walker, one of the things that really makes him so different, is that he's not that, you know? And that it feels like with Cap, when, to me, when Steve gives the shield to Sam, it's passing on that legacy of you're supposed to be the ideals, you know? And that right. making it, a, you know, a black man as the incredible symbol that is, and giving it to the person like Sam, who's we talked about, like has the same kind of like moral code and decency that Steve does. 
to me, it's so significant that now it's the government saying it's kind of like they're going like, oh, OK, it didn't work with Steve Rogers because he went off on his own thing. Right. Let's try again. And this time have him stay, you know, not go off like that. And to me, the line that's so significant is what he what they say at the beginning, uh, what they say when they're introducing him uh, at the end of the first episode. The world has all these heroes, but now America needs a hero because I think that's something that neither Steve nor Sam would have ever said about themselves. Mm hmm. Yeah, that was that was very creepy. <laughs> and I'm curious, uh, Will, since you know the comics so much, is this idea of Steve kind of like being he represents like American ideals, but not the American government at all? And and how, how does that kind of play out, especially as we get all these other Captain Americas who come along? That is, that's pretty that's pretty comic accurate, really. Uh, when there's there's a time. I don't know which decade. I'm just going to say like the eighties, but there was a time where he got disillusioned about what the government is doing. And that's mm-hmm. when he became nomad and he dropped the, sh- the stars and stripes altogether. Um, <laughs> that was a weird time. Oh, no. <laughs> His costume was really bad, <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, like, so, okay. So in, in the, in the comics, uh, Isaiah Bradley was the first super soldier and um, so they got the perfected formula on Isaiah and then gave it to Cap and then after Cap died or got frozen in the ice there was I think five more Captain Americas um, that the military that the government uh, used to like the world can't know that Steve is dead so we have to keep on getting this symbol out there that Captain America is oh. out there fighting for our nation, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then uh, after Cap is unfrozen, there is a time where Bucky becomes Captain America. And there's another time where Sam Wilson becomes Captain America. Um, the The only time, the only things that stand out... Uh, as far as the differences between the two mm-hmm. is Bucky actually had a gun. Um, and so they pulled that for John Walker, but uh, he had a gun. He got interviewed um, by some you know, news channel. And there was like, you know, why, why, uh, why you, you're the, you're the winter soldier. What's going on? He's like, well, yeah, I am. I was the winter soldier, but I grew up, you know, no one was closer to Steve than I was. I intend to fulfill his legacy. I'm not a super soldier. So, you know, in in the comics, he's not, he doesn't have the super soldier serum that he does in the MCU. But he's like, I, I'm not a super soldier, so that's, what, that's why I carry a gun, because there are some things that yeah. I can't do that Steve could. Um, and then with Sam, uh, everything that he was trying to do was very... Um, was very much uh all of his storylines were mm-hmm. pretty race related um you know there there's a trending hashtag in the comics of um yeah. hashtag not my cap um which w- it was super interesting to see but you know as far as cap standing for it's it is he stands for the ideals that the perfect america is which completely ignores any and all dark things that right. America is also known for. So like Captain America kind of just, it represents the best of America. Like that's kind of the idea of like what, what America says be. it is or 
theoretically wants to be rather than what yeah. you know right yeah what it advertises right. itself as <laughs> to, to me that moment where sam is like you know yeah maybe you're right i i was wrong i shouldn't have handed the shield and i should have destroyed it um first of all it makes me understand his decision in the beginning a little bit more um and second of all it makes me feel more mm-hmm. like if anybody is going to have the shield it should be him because he's even questioning, like, to even question the idea of whether or not there should be a Captain America, I think makes you more worthy of, of being that, you know, yeah. um, because you're kind of questioning the idea of, like, American exceptionalism and, like, whether there should be this symbol of, of a nation. And, you know, theoretically, the way I hope the series goes, I, I figure at the end he probably will take up the shield and be like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm going to do this because I think, you know, somebody should kind of demonstrate where we can go, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to be saying, you know, this is where we are. Yeah. I, I'm going to guess, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I think I think this could be a really nice way to, to tie it together. Or this, this is my thought. I'm curious what others think. It seems like for Sam, whatever doubts he already had were really exacerbated by meeting Isaiah, you know, Absolutely. and realizing like... I think for him, the idea of him as a black man mm-hmm. taking up the shield, knowing the horrible history that it has. And so I wonder if we're going to get towards the end, some moment where like they do work with Isaiah again. Um, I know, uh, I don't know the details, but I know Isaiah's grandson becomes a hero himself and may well be part of the young Avengers that we're kind of building too. So I, I think we're going to go back there in some way. I wonder if we're going to get to a point where Isaiah yeah. is the one urging him to take up the shield. You know, because I, I or or at least kind of giving his blessing. Cause like I like I I wonder if for for Falcon mm. if that kind of like I need Isaiah to kind of give the okay of this to tell me mm-hmm. that's who it should be because I don't care he he was what Captain America should have been and look what happened to him and I and his word would be what matters. Does, does that kind of make sense to folks? Yeah, like absolutely. I, I'm not sure that Isaiah is going to get to that place specifically. M- mm-hmm. Maybe was it Eli Elijah right the presumed grandson um and maybe he'll yeah. be the one who who says something like that to sam i don't know but i i definitely want more isaiah in the story um you know i i really hope they circle back there for more than like a minute um and i mean i want a whole series you know <laughs> like just a whole series of like the 1950s or whatever you know the <laughs> korean war like um but yeah, I, I think I think having some sort of external, like someone else being like, yeah, it should be you. Like, I could see Bucky taking the shield and then being like, yeah, I'm just going to be Captain America for a minute. And then being like, you know what, Sam, it should really be you. But, like, I do think, like, not having it be, like, another white guy be like, hey, yeah, you should be Captain America, you know, um, would would be more powerful. Yeah, it's uh, Eli Eli Bradley. Uh, he becomes Patriot, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, when he was first part of the Young Avengers, he was using MGH, mutant growth hormone. Um, oh, interesting! As a uh, to give him his powers, mm-hmm. and then you know, comics. So he like overdosed because he had to fight uh, Mister Mister Hyde, Mister Jekyll, Doctor Hyde, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he overdosed, and to save him, uh, they needed uh, Isaiah's blood, and mm, then right. the blood transfusion gave him 
his normal kind of semi super soldier powers. Right. That yeah. were like more stable than the, mm-hmm. the MGH. Yeah. And the in in Agents of Shield they had IGH. Um Inhuman growth hormone? I we always just assumed it was right. never actually uh listed out. Right. Uh but with Agents of Shield they're they're definitely trying to make Inhumans the new mutants. Yeah. Um, and so by doing that IGH, it was just very on the nose. <laughs> right. Because I think at that point, they legally couldn't use the word mutants because there right. hadn't been any kind of deal right. with uh, the people who owned Marvel at that time. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's two sides to every shield, shield and Hydra. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and one thing I think is also going to be interesting there is, um, you know, we were told specifically that there were 20 doses of super serum made. Yeah. And I think they said that eight have been used by the Flag Smashers. So we've right. got 12 still fly, you know, still floating around there. And I think who's going to use them is going to be clearly a big story in this show and maybe even going forward. That'd be crazy yeah. if they gave one to Eli. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Although that would, I'm sure that would piss off Isaiah a lot. Right. Like, his experience wasn't super good with the whole thing. Yeah. So, you know, he might not... I mean, but it, it, if not like they gave one to Eli, but he, you know, had had some level of agency in it. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I, I could see that that working a lot better, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I mean, making more sense. I don't know who would just be like, oh yeah, let's go, you know, you know <laughs> bring this to this this guy. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, I think a lot of people wonder whether Sam will get it. You mm-hmm. know, um, I imagine Walker would like would like to. Get a shot Ooh. of that, you know. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I really I, thought they were going to make him U.S. agent. Maybe they will. Yeah, eventually, right? I mean, mm-hmm. maybe that's where they're going to end up. Yeah, it seems a definite possibility. What do you want to think of uh, Sharon Carter coming back and sort of her character? I thought was in a really interesting place. I, I mean, the first thing I'm wondering is why didn't she get a part in along with everybody else? Um, but also, just you know, she was very much the she was very close to where Steve was in terms of like, you know, she was willing to like go against the government to do what was right. And here she's definitely, I mean, she's helping them, but she's clearly like pretty deep into some not great stuff. Yeah. Dude. I re- there is a part of me that really thinks that she's the power broker. That's the theory. I keep hearing people talk about. They talked about that for a lot of the MCU cast as well. Go into why you think that it's just like, we don't know. Whenever you have like, this super powerful name drop that nobody's nobody knows what they look like. It's always the like unsuspecting support character on the side that just has connections. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh that like whoever she was talking to at the very end, when she got in the car, it's like something's come up, we have a lot of problems. I'll tell you in the car. I'm like, what? Who <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> <coughs> and yeah, is that one right. well then also like <laughs> yeah. how how it, it all happened off screen but like how did she get so powerful yeah she's got so many connections i mean magipore is magipore so like right I get like with the right money and or weapons you can get whatever you want in magipore mm-hmm. but like <laughs> It's just, it's it, not seeing her rise to wherever she is now. It's it's so strange. Yeah. I, I'm not sold on it, but I will say that, you know, if you give me the story of someone who, you know, goes against her own government, 
Uh, first because she like you know sees that the agency that she worked for has been taken over by Hydra. And then she goes to work for the CIA, and it turns out the CIA is kind of in her mind on the wrong side of the whole Sokovia thing. And she really puts herself at risk to help Sam and Bucky and, and Steve. And then when it comes time to figure out pardons, like, she just gets totally forgotten about. That's yeah. a supervillain origin story, if I've ever heard one. Like, <laughs> I don't know if they're going that way, but I could I, – like, I – the more the more <laughs> you talk about it, I, I think that would be a fun direction for her character because she's kind of not been treated the best. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I really like that they brought her back, but yeah. just to that exact point, like she was, as soon as they got to the action in Civil War, they just completely forgot about it. Right, and it's kind of the flip side of that idea. You know, Steve definitely does all he can to live up to those ideals, but you have to wonder, like, during, like maybe she got blipped out. We don't know, but like she's kind of the flip side of what happens when you believe in those ideals and then you still get screwed. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel like she has to have not gotten blipped out because that's the only way I can see that she would have gained that much power. Because then she'd have like seven years and change instead of two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, if she just came back and like, you know, she's in the position she is now that I find that I'm a little skeptical of that. I, I think, isn't the power broker someone who's been around for longer than just like a little while though? Like, I mean, that's the impression that I got that this was this more like long standing villain. Um, and that, I mean, maybe it's like a Dread Pirate Roberts thing <laughs> where the mantle's like passed down or something. Yeah. But, um, but it, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I feel like a, lo- a lot of these things that are supposed to be sort of shadowy and mysterious are, are that, but also in a way that like, I feel like we could know a little bit more. Mm hmm. And it would it would make some more sense. Um, like, I think, like, Carly's backstory, right? Like, it seems like she has some connection to the power broker. Right. Yeah, that's part of what... It, right. it feels to me like they're setting her up as she's the daughter of the power broker, which makes me think it's not right, Sharon. It feels I, like mm. I, I got the feeling that maybe Sharon is connected with whatever group um, Fury and... Um, yeah. like the scrolls, and then at the very end of WandaVision, um, oh god, I can't remember her name, uh, Maria. You know, that's Maria, right? Monica. Monica, thank you. Monica. I get the feeling that maybe she's caught up with that group that you know Fury and the scrolls and and Monica at the end of WandaVision are a part of because, it, like, I have I think it would be very makes a lot of sense for her to go that far, um, but I think the way they'd set her up, I think they're going to want her to be kind of like she's still working some kind of angle for a group she thinks is doing the right thing. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Also, like, she showed up at exactly the right time. Right. And, like, mm, (laughs) you know, not that she couldn't have been uh, surveilling them herself, but, like, she just happened to be there. Like, no, there was definitely some sort of intelligence, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of report from somewhere. And whether that's because she's working with a group or whether um, she just has, like, her own kind of, like, network, uh, I think is unclear. But it seems like, oh, well, that's convenient timing, you know, in in a way that I, I thought it was odd that, like, Sam and Bucky didn't question it at all. Right. Um, although I, I will say that in terms of like, like spy thriller things, um, I feel like neither of them are characters where like 
sort of intelligence and cleverness is like their first, their like foremost trait. I you mean, know? I think that's Zemo. Um, well, yeah, for sure. For sure. That's, that's his thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and like, particularly, I feel like Bucky feels a little bit like a dumbass a lot of the time. He's um, kind of, and yeah. I say that as someone who likes the character, but I, I mean, I think, I, I think what know. we're supposed to be seeing with Bucky is that he's the one who is very good at following orders. He's not the one who's good at coming up with right. a plan, you know, and that yeah, yeah. to some extent for Falcon, it also makes sense that he, you know, for so long he's been, Steve came up with a plan and Sam, Sam, mm-hmm. now Sam and Bucky have to do that. And I, like, I thought it was very interesting the way Zemo shows up and he's in charge within like 30 seconds. Yeah, um, I know. Right, right. You know, and I, yeah. I, I, just, I just thought his character, like the dance. I love that uh, him dancing has already become a gif on the internet and the whole scene about him talking about Marvin Gaye. Like, it was just so good. <laughs> but because I think he brings that kind of that, he's very much a Bond character. He, he brings that kind of charm and debonair and, um, right. but also I think he's, I imagine that one of the things we're going to have over the show is is Sam especially having to, like, push back and start coming up with a strategy as well and not just following the orders. Because mm-hmm. I think you're right. Bucky yeah, is I kind of – it's not that he's not intelligent, but that he's not he, – he's the muscle. Right. He, yeah, I mean, he's not a proactive character. Like, I guess I kind of wanted him to be a little bit more like Born, and it's like, no, that's not the character. <laughs> um you know, and and I, I do think eventually I think Sam is going to kind of become the one who steps up and, and like, leads the direction they're going. Um, I think that's that kind of makes the most sense. And I think that's probably going to be part of the process of him kind of coming to the idea of, like, yeah, okay, maybe if there is going to be a Captain America, it's going to be me. Um, I... I the the thing is so there's there's like just a few scenes here and there that I'm just like like did they forget that Bucky was this like ghost of an assassin for <laughs> like a really long time like where you know where where Sam's like oh you just you went to Wakanda and now you're a ninja like you learned how to be stealthy it's like dude was an assassin for a long yeah. time like you know and in this episode Sam's like you know the, she was in in Riga which is a, a city on the Baltic Sea like. Like, these guys probably know where Riga is. I know that was for the audience, but... <laughs> That's fair. Expository dialogue is my um, kryptonite. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. So I think that's kind of like we've hit a lot of the big things I wanted to talk about. What about for either of you? Is there any other kind of big questions you wanted to get into or, or big or little things you wanted to bring up? Do you think they wanted to have T'Challa at the end, not Okoye? Oh. Oh. I I'm torn because R.I.P. Chadwick. Yeah, I mean, uh, T'Challa very specifically says like that he gave up his quest for vengeance. That it. That's true. And he he said that line about vengeance consumes you, and I kind of want to make a gif of that because it's almost exactly what Yoda says about like the path (laughs) to the dark side and how it will consume you. Um, so just a fun little geek connection there. But it made me kind of wonder why. Now someone from Wakanda, you know, clearly he didn't speak for everybody, but I, I, I am very curious about that because, yeah, it, it might have been because I definitely see he could have been a part of that. But I find it hard to believe that he'd be like, OK, now Zemo, we can get to you again. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but so I, I think it was Ayo, not not Okoye, but um, 
I think I think she was like um Yeah, no you're right. It, you know, we're, it, it was the move or be moved person. Right, right. I I think she was like we're here for Zemo, which isn't the same as being like I am here to kill Zemo. Mm. Like if they were there to kill Zemo for vengeance, like he'd be dead. <laughs> you know. Yeah, like like they're clearly like spying, you know, and trying to be like, okay, we want to keep tabs on him and we're going to make sure that he ends up back where he belongs. I mean, you know, not wanting vengeance wasn't, um, you know, T'Challa wasn't like, oh, just go on about your business. He was like, no, you're going to jail, but right. Like, but I'm not going to kill you. And so I, I think this is in keeping with that of like, yeah, you need to go somewhere that you cannot hurt more people, but you know, we're not here to kill you. I, I I feel like they probably wouldn't have wanted Black Panther to show up himself. I mean, I f- maybe they would have. Yeah. I don't know. But I feel like that might have kind of overshadowed. Um, like, if he shows up and then, like, disappears again, it feels like it's one of those, like, well, why isn't he in the rest of the mm-hmm. show? There's, you know, there's this whole big plot. There's all these super soldiers. Like, you know, how are we just going to have uh, this little cameo? Um, and here, I guess maybe she'll be in most of the next episode. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I do think that's, that's an interesting question though. Yeah. I mean, certainly I think they're definitely going to play up the fact that of all the Avengers right now, um, all the non Wakandan Bucky has by far the most connection to Wakanda. You know, he lived there for a couple mm-hmm. of years. It's, it's mm-hmm. because yeah. of. Uh, the Wakandans that he's you know cured, and I I kind of love that like even Zemo like when they started when Zemo started saying the words, a part of me was like, wait, is it going to work? Is this going to be like a test? <laughs> like, he has to fight it, and then I, even Zemo was like, oh no, yeah, yeah, we, it, we're just fully establishing he's cured. It's over, right, right, um, right and right. so I feel like he has a but lot of loyalty to Wakanda probably because of that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like at the end of the series, if he like moved back to Wakanda and just like chilled there and like maybe helped out with things that they asked him to here and there. Like, I feel like that would be a satisfying conclusion for the character or like place to kind of stow him, you know? Um, I mean, it seems like it's the place he felt happiest, you know, since like 1930s Brooklyn (laughs) or something, which uh, isn't quite the same anymore. I mean, I'm sure he went to Williamsburg and was like, what? (laughs) What's with all these hipsters? I mean, I go back to Williamsburg and I'm like, what the heck happened? So yeah. I know, I know, I know. Um, I mean, not that it's all bad, but, um, you know, it's, it, I mean, it might feel as much like his home now as anywhere does. And, and yeah, I would imagine he has a lot of loyalty uh, which is what makes the whole breaking Zemo thing out even more, you know, sort of like, mm. <laughs> you yeah. know. Uh, so I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, I just totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea where I was <laughs> going. Fine. I'm stuck in Brooklyn <laughs> on the J train somewhere. Yeah, no. So I think, and, and Paul, I think you had one last thing you wanted to bring up. Yeah, I mean, I guess I have two things, uh, two questions, basically. Um, and one is, one's like Carly, um, you know, who's, you know, the the leader of the Flag Smashers. Um, like, do you think it's significant that the leader of the Flag Smashers, an organization built with the idea of eliminating national borders, sort of, um, is 
is like biracial or whatever. I I don't I don't know good words or whatever. But uh, she does like, look I mixed think, for sure. I think that. Yeah, I, th- I think her her father's um, of Jamaican descent and her her mother's of Irish descent. Yeah, the, the actress, you mean? And yeah, yes, the actress. Yeah, so I don't know how that plays out with with the character herself, um, but I just think I don't know. Maybe there's like a little bit to which that's kind of emblematic of the idea of like not having a world where it's like there's this country and this country and this country and this country, and they're like very separate. Yeah, I think that could definitely be a thing. Um, you know, they've made race such a big part of this. They've made nationalism and national borders and, like, American use of nationalism such a big thing that I think that could definitely be be a part of where they're leading to. Um, it It's funny because we, we're talking about all these different plot points and ideas they could bring up, and I have to keep remembering we only have three episodes left. Like, we're already halfway through. Is it really only six yeah. episodes? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, give me 20 of this. It's so much. I, on a related note, though, can we talk for a minute about the Global Repatriation Council? Because did anyone yeah. find that ad at the beginning super creepy the way yeah. I did? Yeah, repatriation. Yeah, repatriation is such a strange word, and it's very, mm-hmm. very evil sounding. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh man. It. It's. I mean, it's so nationalistic, right? I mean, it's like the idea that. You know, you came back to life, and the thing that matters is, like, citizenship and which country you're part of and, you know, repatriating you to your country or whatever. As opposed to, like, oh, welcome back to existence. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, let's work on this whole food and water and shelter and medicine thing, you know. Um, I mean, it, like, the task of trying to accommodate the world population suddenly doubling seems monumental at the same time, calling it a uh, repatriation council or whatever it is, uh, is, is like super creepy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then, so showing that ad and then immediately having, uh, John Walker come out of a repatriation vehicle. That's what's that's what right. solidified it for me. I was like, okay, yeah, f this guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. He's not going to yeah. be. He's not going to be a good time. <laughs> I think. I think yeah, it's very yeah. true. It felt very Wandavision to the, mm-hmm. the commercial. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, like starting with like this is television. Yeah, I, I and... normally when that happens, they kind of pull back to realize like the TV is on in a character's room or in some way or something like that. You know, and sure. so we're just to yeah. be like. We're going to interrupt our storytelling to show you this other thing that's happening in the world. I thought it was a really interesting moment. Yeah, I had actually uh, played through the previously on and then the, like, Marvel, you know, intro mm-hmm. to, like, the first frame of the commercial. And Lee was in the other wor- room working and she came in and I put it on and she's like, what is this crap? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was, like, a commercial. So she's like, what the fuck is this? Disney Plus has commercials now? What's happening? Exactly. When they, <laughs> really weird, creepy commercials. The little line they threw in about like why Carly's raiding that warehouse because you know there's all these kids who need medicine and food and it's all just sitting here in boxes in this warehouse. Mm-hmm. To me, that was very symbolic as well because I know like um, a lot of times, sometimes when it's well-meaning and sometimes because it's corruption, but just in any way, like when there are these big like you know get aid to hurricane victims or to famine victims kind of efforts. Like, a lot of times that happens, you know, just somewhere along the supply chain, someone steals some stuff or someone just forgets to file the right paperwork or for whatever reason. Like, 
the supplies don't get to the people who they're supposed to get to. And it, it was one more time where I felt like what they're doing is saying, we're going to take very real world problems and just put them into a superhero like story and show you how these people deal with it. Yeah. Which is to like take them and then give them to the people uh, that need them and then needlessly blow things up. Yeah. <laughs> but Man, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I was watching that and as they were leaving, everyone was tied up. I immediately thought of you. I was like, they don't kill people. That's really interesting. And then, and and yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> I had kind of a similar thought because there was one or two things Carrie said in the last episode, episode two, mm-hmm. that made me wonder if maybe her thought was about like, you know, we need to help the people who are left behind and like F these people who are blipped out. And that she was kind of going to go. And, but it seemed very clear that this, she was like, no, we need to help everybody. Like, we need to help the people who are blipped out. We need to help the people who have been rebuilding things. We need to help everybody. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay, so they're not going to make them, like, the moral bad. Ah, okay, and now they're blowing people up. Um, <laughs> like, and again, I, don't, I, I think, like, to me, like, what they did and, like, what Sam and Bucky are doing, like, I think they're all degrees you know like we could say like maybe like the blowing up the people is a little different than like being there when zemo kills the guy and i think i think what carrie does is a little worse but i don't think there's like some bright moral line that carrie crossed that the other characters haven't like i think we're really supposed to think they're all gray at this point Mm -hmm. yeah my final question is it's just simple like should there be a captain america Uh... maybe it's not that simple (laughs) i'm gonna say yes um, I lean more towards him being a symbol of how to be a good person mm-hmm. and uh, fighting for the little man more more so than the atrocities that have happened in in secret, basically, to get to where we are now. Yeah, but but like, should there? But it's more it's more just like. Steve Rogers is a perfect Captain America. Should anyone be Captain America? I don't think so. <laughs> like, maybe not John Walker. Yeah, John Walker doesn't need to be Captain America. I can see Sam being Captain America. I agree that Bucky would not be a good Captain America. Um, there are very few people that I think could be Captain America. Uh, um, Peggy Carter could be a, would be a good Captain oh, America. Yeah. Um, there was a time where I thought <laughs> Despite Sharon being British. Be, despite being, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think, I think, and their selection program that they did in order to get to John Walker, I get it makes sense from a Captain America is a military asset standpoint. So let's get the best military asset we have. Mm -hmm. Um, but that doesn't pay, that doesn't address the heart of Captain America. And I think that's, that's the important part. Yeah. I, I think I'm kind of in a similar place where I, I think I would say I don't think like, kind of like what you said before, Paul, I don't think there ever should have been a Captain America. Mm-hmm. But once there is, I do think the legacy of Captain America living on is important. But it be like I don't think Captain America should in any way be connected to American military or government like it should be if Steve if Steve had said I'm done, then it was done. If Steve said not to kind of, I think it's easy to put him on a pedestal there, but like, you know, Steve saying like, I want to pass it on to Sam. 
I think that and or maybe like Isaiah coming into it because of his connection to the super soldier stuff. Like I feel like there is real power to Sam, the, the symbol of Sam being the Captain America. And like if that symbol exists, let's keep using it. But I think maybe the symbol should have never existed. I can totally agree with that one, too. Cool. Sweet. Well, Will, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. I'm really glad we get to have you on. I'd love to get you back. Um, for folks who want to find you and want to find your podcast or any other stuff, wh- where can they best do that? Uh, yeah, the podcast is called Hype is My Superpower. It's on, I believe, every platform that you prefer to use for your podcasting podcast list podcast listening pleasures um we also have a facebook group and an instagram page the facebook group is where you can go and put listener questions that we will address um in the next episode uh and right now the instagram just exists to tease the subjects that we uh talk about in each episode Uh (laughs) uh-huh that's awesome that's awesome well, yeah, folks, definitely check those out. And, Paul, if people want to find uh, more about your stuff, where can they look? Uh, you could just look for Zen Madman or, like, at Zen Madman. Um, I'd say twitch.tv slash Zen Madman is the place that I am currently doing the most uh, things, mm-hmm. like streaming chess, poker, some Duolingo and whatnot. And at some point, maybe I'll, like, listen to podcasts while <laughs> playing games and Very have fun. that be a thing. We'll see. <laughs> so, <Cool>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, I've been learning quite a lot about chess from Paul, so definitely check those out. They're definitely very worthwhile, very interesting. And for listeners, what do you all think about this? We've been getting a lot of great feedback. I've been loving the interactions we've been getting. I think these these episodes are really raising a lot of issues. They're getting people thinking. Let us know. You can uh, find us on Twitter or Facebook by just searching for The Ethical Panda. You can also go to theethicalpanda.com and find all of our uh, information. You can email us at the fa- at theethicalpanda.com. You can email us at theethicalpanda at gmail.com. And, of course, you can find this podcast and my other podcasts and a whole bunch of other great uh, geek podcasts on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network, which just go to strandedpanda.com. There you'll find uh, the MCU cast, where Matt Carroll and Jeff Randall uh, and Jay Scotty are doing a great rundown every week uh, of these episodes. They're going to a lot more depth of just the, the, the stuff everyone, the you know, the... The characters and the action and, and kind of just looking at it kind of more from a review standpoint, but also getting into a lot of the issues. It's a great thing to check out. And also on there, you'll find other great podcasts about Star Trek, James Bond, DC, all sorts of great things. So please definitely check all those out. And actually a, a new podcast that just got started on animation, uh, the Animation Deliberation, which is I've been listening to their stuff on Young Justice. And it's very good. So definitely check all those out. So myself, myself Paul, uh, Will, thank you all so much for being a part of this and have a great day. Thanks for having me.